Hey there, and welcome to episode 29 of IoT This Week. I am your host, Craig Smith. As usual, we have tons of stuff to talk about this week. Some of the topics include WannaCry, is it over? Kids hacking Bluetooth? It really is open season on SMB, with more ransomware and malware showing up. Data that's supposed to be deleted after 30 days, is it really? Net neutrality seems to be headed down the toilet and much more. So let's get started. All right, so first up, we have a story from Google, and we had many stories from Google last week, and this one deals specifically with IoT. So Google launched what they're calling the Google Cloud IoT course. So they'll be joining AWS and Microsoft in um, providing a similar service where they help manage um, IoT data and devices. So a potential example of this is a say a logistics company so the firm could a logistics company could use the service to collect data from its vehicles and then combine that with other data like um, weather traffic and demand to ensure vehicles are in the right place at the right time and then from AT&T they are planning to deploy LTE-M which is for primarily for IoT devices they'll be deploying this across Mexico by the end of 2017 and once that's completed, it'll cover about 400 million people. So at its very basic, they want to charge uh, $1.50 uh, per month per device. So I guess depending on how many I IoT devices you have and you want to deploy, um, I'm sure there'll be volume discounts and that sort of thing. Um, I don't know, I guess a buck fifty. I don't know, if you have a lot of IoT devices, that could be pretty expensive in the long run. But uh, yeah, we'll see how this... Um, uh, particular network from AT&T works out for uh, IoT. And then a company called AVNet, they're planning on, or they have unveiled what they are calling their smart neighborhood. So pretty much what it is, is their attempt to bring together varying products and vendors and then bundle them into one smart solution that they can sell to, uh, well, obviously neighborhoods, um, towns, cities, and that sort of thing. And then next up, we have news from DHS and DOG, the Department of Homeland Security and Department of Justice, where they have apparently, and I didn't realize this, they've tripled their spending on equipment and services related to IoT. So over the past six years or so, they've spent over $600 million on the smart security security industry. So not sure exactly what all they spent it on, um, but either way, it's pretty cool that they're getting involved um, from the IoT side. And then we have a pretty cool story about the Internet of Things and blockchain technology. So basically, it's a how does it work article. And there's um, some interesting areas that they're looking at block blockchain technology for. And that includes supply chain management, devices selling capacity to other devices, devices selling services to humans, and devices sharing data with, with each other or other th or third parties. And then obviously WannaCry, the WannaCry ransomware is obviously still in the news. So this is, but this particular piece is from an, an, an IoT perspective. So attackers are actually trying to fire the WannaCry um, ransomware backup by attacking the kill switch. And if you remember, I mentioned that in the last podcast, um, a security researcher registered a domain that the ransomware was looking for. Um, and once he uh, registered that domain, it effectively um, kind of stopped and slowed down the um, 
spreading of the WannaCry ransomware. So what they're trying to do from an IoT perspective, um, attackers are trying to use the Mirai botnet to pretty much try and knock this domain offline. So once the domain's offline, the hope is that the um, WannaCry ransomware will fire back up and start encrypting data and um, requiring ransoms to unlock that data. So it looks like according to the article, the Mirai botnet actually hit this particular domain with um, over 20 gig, 20 gigabits per second of traffic last Wednesday. So um, yeah, that is pretty significant from uh, an IoT botnet. And then this next story is pretty cool. So an 11 year old, um, so he had a robotic bear up on stage and he actually ended up um, using a Raspberry Pi, some Python code, and actually a Bluetooth device that he scanned for from the audience to hack in to the Bluetooth and actually control his robotic bear that he had on stage with him. So that's pretty impressive for a 11 year old um, to use, actually use someone else's Bluetooth device and control his robotic bear. So yeah, pretty cool story. And then we have the quick story where, um, and they didn't give a whole lot of details on this, but apparently Blackberry, Land Rover, and Aston Martin are working together to um, come up with a way to help protect cars, vehicles from attack. And then finally, under IoT, we have NIST, who is examining the Internet of Things for its cybersecurity framework. So specifically what they are exploring, they're exploring the application of the framework, um, sector-specific requirements, and um, particular uses for small business um, when it comes to the, or, or in regards to their um, cybersecurity framework. All right, so on to InfoSec, and obviously one of the continuing big stories is the WannaCry ransomware. And in regards to WannaCry, um, as I alluded to the, the beginning of the podcast, the SMB protocol is just absolutely under assault right now by WannaCry and some various other ransomware malware that we'll uh, talk about here in a few minutes. Um, but the first article we have under InfoSec, um, it was an article put together on the register, which actually does a really good job of kind of summarizing kind of what we know to this point, um, what some of the still lingering questions are, um, like some of the and some of the misconceptions of what people thought was happening early on and that sort of thing. So, like I said, it's a pretty cool article. Um, so they talk about things like um, how early on people thought that. Um, WannaCry was spreading via phishing, phishing emails um, with, you know, emails with attachments. So people were opening the attachments and getting affected. Um, but actually what was happening happening was that the attackers were um, searching the Internet for open SMB ports and then um, using Eternal Blue and Double Pulsar to actually infect machines via open SMB ports. Um, so there really wasn't any user action required um, early on. So one of the other misconceptions was that uh, Windows XP machines were being infected infected early on, and in actuality, in actuality, the um, Windows XP and Windows Server 2003 machines, um, the um, exploits, Eternal Blue exploits, are actually ineffective against those two um, OS flavors. And really, what was happening was that unpatched Windows 7 and Windows Server 2008 machines were really the ones that were getting getting hit hardest um, 
early on. So one of the things it does mention in the story is like why people would have the SMB V1 version one service even exposed to the internet in the first place. Um, you know, really who knows? Um, there's actually, there's really absolutely no reason. Um, and as far as I'm concerned, it's just kind of careless on, on whoever's part, they have SMB ports, um, exposed to the internet. And then one of the other interesting um, parts of this story was that if you, um, if you were following the Bitcoin addresses, the three Bitcoin addresses that uh, researchers identified as part of the WannaCry ransomware, you can go and pull up those um, Bitcoin addresses on a blockchain site and actually look and see how many um, Bitcoins they've collected. So I think at this point um, they've collected maybe around a hundred thousand dollars, which really isn't that much. Um, I mean, unless you're one of the person, one of the people who got infected. I mean, in Overall, it's not really that much for some kind of global campaign. So, um, yeah, it's interesting, um, you know, whether their motive really was to make money or whether it was just to um, pretty much cause disruption. And then one of the other interesting things um, in the article um, was that someone released some um, code on GitHub that was meant to work with the penetration testing tool Metasploit. And they're kind of looking at the timing of that, whether somebody put that out there and then the WannaCry developers actually use that um, code to um, work in their WannaCry ransomware. So anyway, just some uh, interesting things kind of summing up uh, what happened with WannaCry over the uh, last week or two. And then also um, another story in regards to WannaCry, the um, ransomware decryption tool, or actually a um, ransomware decryption tool was released. So the tool, actually the tool, how it works is rather inter interesting. So it pulls the prime numbers used for encryption um, from memory. So if you pay attention to that, it only works if you haven't rebooted your computer or the um, affected memory hasn't been overwritten. So again, there is a tool out there, um, but if you've rebooted your computer since it was infected um, or it's been running a while, um, then it's likely to be ineffective. And then, like I mentioned, um, how SMB is under complete assault. Um, so there's a new SMB worm and instead of using two of the alleged NSA hacking tools, it actually uses seven of these tools. So um, this one's been dubbed Eternal Rocks, and it was dubbed that by Miroslav Stamper, who's actually the creator of the SQL map tool, um, which you can run to look for vulnerabilities um, in SQL servers. So that's pretty cool. Well, not the ransomware is not, the worm's not cool, but uh, he, that Miroslav actually um, um, identified it. And um, as I said, there were more ransomware and malware showing up. So there's another ransomware um, package that's actually been moving through the Ukraine and it's locked out um, hundreds of computers. It's called Xdata. Um, and then the next story, we have the same tools um, used for WannaCry are actually being used to distribute distribute um, ADYL. K-U-Z-Z, Adelkuz, perhaps. So anyway, it's a cryptocurrency malware, which has actually infected hundreds of thousands of systems. 
And once um, this particular malware infects a system, um, it uses the systems to mine the cryptocurrency Monero. So um, similar, Monero is another cryptocurrency similar to Bitcoin. Um, it's just a little lesser known than Bitcoin. But either way, it's still using system resources to um, mine cryptocurrency. And again, that one's called, this particular cryptocurrency malware is called um, Adolkuz, if I'm pronouncing that right. All right, so enough about malware and ransomware. So let's move on to some other topics. Um, and the first couple things we have are breaches. So a cosmetic company called Tatcha is warning customers about payment card details being stolen stolen on January 8th of this year. So the interesting part of this story is the way they were actually, um, that they at least think they were stealing the payment card details. So in this particular story, the attackers were actually siphoning card details um, as they were being entered on the website. So instead of hacking a back-end database and retrieving payment card details, um, supposedly in this particular case, they were actually stealing the card details as a person was sitting at a website and entering in the details. So that's pretty interesting. <coughs> so, and then the other breach store we have is from DocuSign. So if you're not familiar with DocuSign, um, um, it's pretty much what the name says. It's a document signing service. So you can, you can sign a document, um, or whatever, or need to have one signed, send it to somebody, they can digitally sign it and so forth. <laughs> but they actually had a breach that, um, is still leading to a targeted email malware campaign. So if you've used DocuSign in the past, um, definitely make sure if you get anything, especially anything unsolicited, um, that looks like it's from DocuSign, make sure you um, kind of double check that and make sure it really is from them. And then a security researcher, he discovered a Chrome vulnerability, which could allow remote attackers to steal user login credentials using the latest version of Chrome running on any version of Windows. So um, that's actually a little disconcerting. And Let's see. So the next story, some privacy settings. So if you haven't, if you um, involved with Twitter or have a Twitter account or, you know, watch what goes on with Twitter. Um, if you've logged into their account or whatever, you probably noticed that there's some new privacy settings popping up. Um, but anyway, so there's a link um, in the newsletter that um, shows you how to um, disable those new privacy settings because apparently they're opt in by default. And if you want to opt out, you have to actually um, go in there and turn them off. And then we have Elkomsoft, who is known for um, producing, I think it's a Russian company, they're known for producing various hacking tools. Um, so they um, actually discovered that deleted notes from the notes application that's on uh, Mac OS um, once you delete those notes, they're supposedly supposed to be Apple's supposed to supposedly delete those after 30 days, but apparently they found a way that they could actually retrieve um, these notes even after supposedly deleted notes even after 30 days. So it's not a it's not a particular straightforward process to in the way they discovered this, but Nonetheless, it's still something that need, Apple needs to address. Um, and according to Elkomsoft, Apple actually has been notified. And we'll see, um, you know, what they come up with. Um, and this is something similar to when um, it was discovered that old photos weren't actually, be dele weren't actually being deleted. 
um, after 30 days or however long it was supposed to be supposed to be anyway they weren't being deleted um, in the time frame that Apple was specifying and this was um, old photos um, back a while ago and then finally shadow brokers is promising to release more zero day vulnerabilities in June so we don't really have any details on what they're gonna release but um, June may be interesting um, from the vulnerability front we'll see and on to some tech news so as i mentioned earlier there's um, a ton of google stories uh, from last week so we'll start off with a handful of those under the text section um, first up google's project treble is treble t-r-e-b-l-e is supposed to fix the huge problem um, that android has with updates reaching devices in a timely manner so um, so instead of waiting for um, carriers like AT&T, Verizon, or whatever to roll out updates to their particular devices, um, supposedly this project will be kind of be built into Android devices going forward so that um, the important parts or some of the parts like security, that sort of thing, that'll be left up to Google to update. And then some of the other parts that aren't so um, crucial will be left up to like the carriers and other vendors to um, update as they see fit so anyway this will be definitely this if they can get this to work this will be a definitely um definitely be a um a win in on the side of android and their issues with updates um, getting out to devices in a timely manner and then um, google is launching a jobs search engine in the u.s within the coming weeks so that'll be interesting to see how that kind of compares to um, linkedin and some of the other job search engines um google assistant is now on the iphone um and actually if i was apple i'd be a bit worried at this point um i mean siri every time i try to use siri it's still got issues um, i mean they all all the assistants have issues but siri seems to be the worst off of the three um so right now the iphone has google assistant it's got obviously it's got siri on there and it's also got amazon's assistant on there as well so apple really needs to get their act together um if they want to you know keep up with uh, amazon and google in the assistant um, digital assistant arena um then google um their google wi-fi device with this which is um it's just a wireless router um they may equip it with a camera soon um so i don't know you know what their purpose is maybe they're gonna try to sell it as a security device hey the router's got a camera on it so that sort of thing we'll see and then as i mentioned um net neutrality so net neutrality seems to be kind of headed down the toilet at this point um whether it'll be saved in the end i don't know um but the fcc voted two to one to start the process of eliminating um, isps as common carriers under title two so um yeah we'll see how that goes and it looks like a final vote is meant to happen um later this year um on net neutrality so fingers crossed it doesn't get killed but um right now it doesn't look good and then something that's really cool if you are into building your own networks at home and that sort of thing um right now we're kind of limited to well unless you have a lot of money to tent spend on 10 gig ethernet cards we're kind of limited to um, one gig ethernet cards because you need obviously you need the switches to connect all these devices as well um, but a, a company called Aquantia is launching a ethernet card that's capable of 5 gigabit 2.5 gigabit and 1 gigabit 
so that'll be really cool. Um, and it, when I looked at the prices of car, prices of the card, they don't look too expensive. Um, however, right now the big problem is that there's no um, switches. Um, there's 10 gig switches, but those are super expensive. Um, but there's no switches right now that are capable of like 5G, 5 gigabit, and um, 2.5 gigabit. So it probably won't be long before they get the switches out. Um, but yeah, definitely if they start getting the switches out um, along with the Ethernet cards and it's not too super expensive, it'll be cool to uh, do some um, local network upgrades that are actually more than one gigabit. And then cellular revenue. So they've taken a dip for the first time in 17 years, which is um, really interesting. And the story I was reading um, attributes a lot of that to um, competition that's been brought on by T-Mobile um, with bringing back unlimited plans and that sort of thing. And and the fact that because T-Mobile is actually bringing back these um, unlimited plans and um, T-Mobile is actually trying to compete, um, that now AT&T and Verizon are act actually having to compete, which obviously if they have to lower prices, um, that lowers revenue and that sort of thing. But either way, um, in the end, it's good for the consumers. And then speaking of AT&T, um, apparently they caused a massive 911 outage across 14 states. Um, but again, the FCC, the same ones, the same um, group trying to kill off net neutrality, they basically saw no reason um, for a fine, even though the FCC stated that the outage could have been prevented. So, yeah, it does look like the, um, um, at least under the current tenure, um, current um, leadership, the FCC is actually going to do much of anything and have much teeth at all. And then finally, um, we mentioned um, Bitcoin used with ransomware. Um, Bitcoin actually moved past $2,000 a Bitcoin this week. And I think it's actually moving on past 2000 I think maybe it's like 2100 as of a day or something around there. So, yeah, if you've got Bitcoin, you've been sitting on lots of Bitcoins, um, yeah, you may have quite a bit of money in your pocket. And then just a few items under miscellaneous. So if you've got a drone in the past, um, pretty much no matter, well, I think it was over a certain grams of weight, um, the drone had to be registered with the FAA. So the D.C. Court, Circuit Court of Appeals, they actually struck down the FAA's drone registration program for recreational drone users and model aircraft pilots. So that's good news for uh certain drone operators where if you had to register um, before now you shouldn't have to and then yet another get another story about AT&T um, 40,000 AT&T employees went on strike over the weekend um, it's usually it's over the usual thing uh, money retirement um, that sort of thing and then finally um, Apple, um, and I've mentioned before, I love Apple, but then there's certain things they do that just make me cringe. Um, they're along, it's not just Apple, it's other, um, hardware manufacturers, but they're basically lob lobbying against your right to repair. And this is something we've mentioned in past podcasts with like John Deere, um, and tractors and, um, farmers being able to repair their tractors. Um, but Apple along with others is based, is lobbying against your right to repair in New York state. All right, that is the podcast for this week. Um, again, I'm Craig Smith. Um, if you have any um, feedback, suggestions, um, you can reach me on at CraigZ28 on Twitter 
or email podcast at iotthisweek.com. And then one other thing I wanted to mention this week, um, on Twitter as well, there's the um, at IOT this week, um, where I tweet out the stories, a lot of the stories I talk about in the podcast. I tweet these out um, as the week progresses um, as far as things I find of interest. So definitely um, have a look at that. Again, that's at iotthisweek.com on Twitter. All right, so that is it this week. Um, Have a great day, and we'll talk to you next week.